Hello, everybody. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed um, chapter one, and I'm going to get straight into um, chapter two. And I uh, just want to rehearse everybody you are going through some major DNA upgrades in these moments. Um, you'll have purges happening, you'll have all sorts of things happening. So just make sure that you are drinking loads of water, supporting yourselves in these moments, resting. Um, listen to your bodies. If you if you need an afternoon nap, take one. If you need whatever it is, you know, just listen. If your body is craving water, go and jump in the shower or have a bath or your body will tell you what it needs um, when you know how best to support yourself so just always listen and it's very important to be gentle and supportive of our physical vessels in these moments and that is also why the self-love disciplines are so important because it just strengthens that relationship with your higher self and um, it just makes the journey through this process much much easier okay so we're going to get into chapter two your inner roommate your inner growth is completely dependent upon the realization that the only way to find peace and contentment is to stop thinking about yourself you're ready to grow when you finally realize that the i who is always talking inside will never be content it always has a problem with something honestly when was the last time you really had nothing bothering you? Before you had your current problem, there was a different problem. And if you're wise, you will realize that after this one's gone, there will be another one. The bottom line is, you'll never be free of problems until you are free from the part within that has so many problems. When a problem is disturbing you, don't ask, what should I do about it? Ask, what part of me is being disturbed by this? If you ask, what should I do about it, you've already fallen into believing that there really is a problem outside that must be dealt with. If you want to achieve peace in the face of your problems, you must understand why you perceive a particular situation as a problem. If you're feeling jealousy, instead of trying to see how you can protect yourself, just ask, what part of me is jealous? That will cause you to look inside and see that there's a part of you that's having a problem with jealousy. Once you clearly see the disturbed part, then ask, who is it that sees this? Who notices this inner disturbance? Asking this is the solution to every problem. The very fact that you can see the disturbance means that you are not it. The process of seeing something requires a subject-object relationship. The subject is called the witness because it is the one who sees what's happening. The object is what you are seeing, in this case the inner disturbance. This act of maintaining objective awareness of the inner problem is always better than losing yourself in the outer situation. This is the essential difference between a spiritually minded person and a worldly person. Worldly doesn't mean that you have money or stature. Worldly means that you think the solution to your inner problem is in the world outside. You think that if you change things outside, you'll be okay. But nobody has ever truly become okay by changing things outside. There's always the next problem. 
the only real solution is to take the seat of witness consciousness and completely change your frame of reference. To attain true inner freedom, you must be able to objectively watch your problems instead of being lost in them. No solution can possibly exist while you're lost in the energy of a problem. Everyone knows you can't deal well with a situation if you're getting anxious, scared or angry about it. The first problem you have to deal with is your own reaction. You will not be able to solve anything outside until you own how the situation affects you inside. Problems are generally not what they appear to be. When you get clear enough, you will realize that the real problem is that there is something inside of you that can have a problem with almost anything. The first step is to deal with that part of you. This involves a change from outer solution consciousness to inner solution consciousness. You have to break the habit of thinking that the solution to your problem is to rearrange things outside. The only permanent solution to your problems is to go inside and let go of the part of you that seems to have so many problems with reality. Once you do that, you'll be clear enough to deal with what's left. There really is a way to let go of the part of you that sees everything as a problem. It may seem impossible, but it's not. There is a part of your being that can actually abstract from your own melodrama. You can watch yourself be jealous or angry. You don't have to think about it or analyze it. You can just be aware of it. Who is it that sees all this? Who notices the changes going on inside? When you tell a friend... Every time I talk to Tom, it gets me so upset. How do you know it gets you upset? You know that it gets you upset because you're in there and you see what's going on in there. There's a separation between you and the anger or the jealousy. You're the one who's in there noticing these things. Once you take that seat of consciousness, you can get rid of these personal disturbances. You start by watching. Just be aware that you are aware of what is going on in there. It's easy. What you'll notice is that you're watching a human being's personality with all its strengths and weaknesses. It's, It's as though there's somebody in there with you. You might actually say you have a roommate. If you would like to meet your roommate, just try to sit inside yourself for a while in complete solitude and silence. You have the right, it's your inner domain, but instead of finding silence, you're going to listen to incessant chatter. Why am I doing this? I have more important things to do. This is a waste of time. There's nobody in here but me. What's all this about? Right on cue, there's your roommate. You may have a clear intention to be quiet inside, but your roommate won't cooperate. And it's not just when you try to be quiet. It has something to say about everything you look at. I like it. I don't like it. This is good. That's bad. It just talks and talks. You don't generally notice because you don't step back from it. You're so close that you don't realize that you're actually hypnotized into listening to it. Basically, you're not alone in there. There are two distinct aspects of your inner being. The first is you. The awareness, the witness, the center of your willful intentions. And the other is that which you watch. The problem is, the part that you watch never shuts up. If you could get rid of that part, even for a moment, the peace and serenity would be the nicest vacation you've ever had. 
Imagine what it would be like if you didn't have to bring this thing with you everywhere you go. Real spiritual growth is about getting out of this predicament. But first you have to realize that you've been locked in there with a maniac. In any situation or circumstance, your roommate could suddenly decide, I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. I don't want to talk to this person. We'd immediately feel tense and uncomfortable. Your roommate can ruin anything you're doing without a moment's notice. It could ruin your wedding day or even your wedding night. That part of you can ruin anything and everything, and it generally does. <clears throat> you buy a brand new car, and it's beautiful. But every time you drive it, your inner roommate finds something wrong with it. The mental voice keeps pointing out every little squeak, every little vibration, until eventually you don't even like the car anymore. Once you see what this can do to your life, you are ready for spiritual growth. You're ready for real transformation when you finally say, Look at this thing. It's ruining my life. I'm trying to live a peaceful, meaningful existence, but I feel like I'm sitting on top of a volcano. At any moment, this thing can decide to freak, close down and fight with what's happening. One day it likes someone, and the next day it decides to pick on everything they do. My life is a mess just because this thing that lives in here with me has to make a melodrama out of everything. Once you've seen this and learned to no longer identify with your roommate, you're ready to free yourself. If you haven't reached this awareness yet, just start to watch. Spend a day watching every single thing your roommate does. Start in the morning and see if you can notice what it's saying in every situation. Every time you meet somebody, every time the phone rings, just try to watch. A good time to watch it talk is while you're taking a shower. Just watch what that voice has to say. You will see that it, is ne it never lets you take a peaceful shower. Your shower is for washing the body, not for watching the mind talk non-stop. See if you can stay conscious enough throughout the entire experience to be aware of what's going on. You'll be shocked by what you see. It just jumps from one subject to the next. The incessant chatter seems so neurotic that you won't believe that it's always that way. But it is. You have to watch this if you want to be free of it. You don't have to do anything about it, but you have to get wise to the predicament you're in. You have to realize that somehow you've ended up with a mess for an inner roommate. If you want to be peaceful in there, you're going to have to fix the situation. The way to catch on to what your inner roommate really is like is to personify it externally. Make believe that your roommate, the psyche, has a body of its own. You do this by taking the entire personality that you hear talking to you inside and imagine it as a person talking to you on the outside. Just imagine that another person is now saying everything that your inner voice would say. Now spend the day with that person. You've just sat down to watch your favorite TV show. The problem is you have this person with you. Now you'll get to hear the same incessant monologue that used to be inside, except that it's sitting next to you on the couch, talking to itself. Did you turn the light off downstairs? You better go check. Not now, I'll do it later. I want to finish watching the show. No, do it now. That's why the electric bill is so high. You sit in silent awe, watching all of this. Then, a few seconds later, your couch mate is engaged in another dispute. Hey, I want to get something to eat. I'm craving some pizza. No, you can't have pizza now. It's too late and too far to drive. 
but I'm hungry. When will I get to eat? To your amazement, these neurotic bursts of conflicting dialogue just keep going on and on. And as if there's not enough, instead of simply watching TV, this person starts verbally reacting to whatever comes on the screen. At one point, after Redhead appears on the show, your couchmate starts mumbling about an ex-spouse and a painful divorce. Then the yelling starts, just as though the ex-spouse were in the room with you. Then it stops, just as suddenly as it started. At this point, you find yourself hugging the far corner of the couch in a desperate attempt to get as far away from this disturbed person as you possibly can. Will you dare to do this experiment? Don't try to make the person stop talking. Just try to get to know what you live with inside by externalizing the voice. Give it a body and put it out there in the world. Just like everybody else. Let it be a person who says, who says on the outside exactly what is the voice on the inside mind. Now make that person your best friend. After all, how many friends do you spend all of your time with and pay absolute attention to every word they say? How would you feel if someone outside really started talking to you the way your inner voice does? How would you relate to a person who opened their mouth to say everything your mental voice says? After a very short period of time, you would tell them to leave and never come back. But when your inner friend continuously speaks up, you don't ever tell it to leave. No matter how much trouble that causes, you listen. There's almost nothing that voice can say that you don't pay full attention to. It pulls you right out of whatever you're doing, no matter how enjoyable, and suddenly you're paying attention to whatever it has to say. Imagine that you're in a serious relationship and are about to get married. You're driving to the wedding and it says, Maybe this is not the right person. I'm really getting nervous about this. What should I do? If someone outside of you said that, you'd ignore them. But you feel you owe the voice an answer. You have to convince your nervous mind that this is the right person or it won't let you walk down the aisle. That's how much respect you have for this neurotic thing inside you. You know that if you don't listen to it, it'll bother you every day of your life. I told you not to get married, I said. I wasn't sure. The bottom line is undeniable. If somehow that voice managed to manifest in a body outside of you and you had to take it with you everywhere you went, you wouldn't last a day. If somebody were to ask you what your new friend is like, you'd say, this is one seriously disturbed person. Just look up neurosis in the dictionary and you'll get the picture. That being the case, once you've spent a day with your friend, what is the probability you'd go to them for advice? After seeing how often this person changed their mind, how conflicted they were on so many subjects, and how emotionally overreactive they tended to be. Would you ever ask them for relationship or financial advice? As amazing as it seems, you do. Just that every moment of your life. Having taken its rightful place back inside of you, it is still the same person who tells you what to do about every aspect of your life. Have you ever bothered to check its credentials? How many times has that voice been totally wrong? She doesn't care for you anymore. That's why she hasn't called. She's going to break up with you tonight. I can feel it coming. I just know. You shouldn't even answer the phone if she calls. After 30 minutes of this, the phone rings and it's your girlfriend. She's late because it's your one year anniversary and she was preparing for a surprise dinner. 
It was definitely a surprise to you, since you completely forgot about the anniversary. She says she's on the way to pick you up. Well, you're very excited and your inner voice is chatting about how great she is. But haven't you forgotten something? Haven't you forgotten about the bad advice the inner voice gave you that caused you to suffer for the last half hour? What if you had hired a relationship advisor who had given you that terrible advice? They had completely misread the entire situation. Had you listened to the advisor, you never would have picked up the phone. Wouldn't you fire them on the spot? How could you ever trust their advice again after seeing how wrong they were? Well, are you going to fire your inner roommate? After all, its advice and analysis of the situation were totally wrong. No, you never hold it responsible for the trouble it causes. In fact, the next time it gives advice, you're all ears. Is this rational? How many times has that voice been wrong about what was going on or what will be going on? Maybe it's worth noticing whom you're going to for advice. When you've sincerely tried these practices of self-observation and awareness, you'll see that you're in trouble. You'll realize that you've only had one problem your entire life and you're looking at it. It's pretty much the cause of every problem you've ever had. Now the question becomes, how do you get rid of this inner troublemaker? The first thing you realize is that there's no hope of getting rid of it until you really want to. Until you've watched your roommate long enough to truly understand the predicament you're in. You really have no basis for practices that help you deal with the mind. Once you've made the decision to free yourself from the mental melodrama, you're ready for teachings and techniques. You will now have a real use for them. You'll be relieved to know that you are not the first person to have this problem. There are those who have gone before you who found themselves in the same situation. Many of them looked for guidance from those who had mastered this field of knowledge. They were given teachings and techniques such as yoga, which were created to help in the process. Yoga is not really about getting your body healthy, although it does that too. Yoga is about the knowledge that will help you out of your predicament, the knowledge that can free you. Once you've made this freedom the meaning of your life, there are spiritual practices that can help you. These practices are what you do with your time in order to free yourself from yourself. You will eventually catch on that you have to distance yourself from your psyche. You do this by setting the direction of your life when you're clear and not letting the wavering mind deter you. Your will is stronger than the habit of listening to that voice. There is nothing you can't do. Your will is supreme over all of this. If you want to free yourself, you must first become conscious enough to understand your predicament. Then you must commit yourself to the inner work of freedom. You do this as though your life depended on it, because it does. As it is right now, your life is not your own. It belongs to your inner roommate, the psyche. You have to take it back. Stand firm in the seat of the witness and release the hold that the habitual mind has on you. This is your life. It's time to reclaim it. That's the end of chapter two. So it's very interesting when you kind of separate that inner voice and create a persona out of it because none of us would would tolerate dragging somebody around with us that that speaks to us like that so I just found this book really really awesome the way it um, depicts things and, and really simplifies it and, and kind of connects us with um, a humorous side of of our psyche and you know as we're aware the movement from 3d to 5d the ascension 
is all about the movement from the mind to the heart. And that's why it's so important to trust your feelings above everything. And that's where it brings in the self-love disciplines because, you know, how I see it is you've got your, your body that's on this journey and you've got your higher self and the ego program mind, which the cabals instilled in us, you know, over centuries, kind of puts this thick wall between the two of them. So we, we, we've been taught not to trust our feelings, you know, feelings are weaknesses, women are too emotional, men don't cry, men are not supposed to feel, they're supposed to be all macho. And um, we basically shut down our feeling centers, but that is what serves us the highest. And when we can get back in tune with the feelings, we will always be safe. We'll always be guided to be in the right place at the right time. You might get a ping to say, well, you know, I need to leave the house, <clears throat> the house now and go somewhere. It'll either prevent you from, from something happening that'll hurt you. It might connect you with somebody that you've been asking the universe to bring into your space by purely listening to those pings or making a phone call, whatever. When you when you get those messages in your physical body, and especially when they don't make sense and you haven't been thinking about something, that's your body communicating with you. So the self-love disciplines definitely are the real, real essential key to embodying your higher selves. I wish you guys a beautiful day. I hope you've enjoyed this chapter and I will be posting the next one tomorrow. Sending much love. Thank you.